Hey there, I'm Jessica Chobot, and this is AI Hype versus Reality, an original podcast from Dell Technologies. And I'm at the University of Toronto's self-driving car lab. There's a group of students here competing in the auto drive challenge, trying to build a fully autonomous car. In fact, these guys were the winners of round one with their car, Zeus, which, to tell you the truth, looks a little like the Google car, but a little more homemade. You know, it's got a huge spinning scanner thing on top, cameras pointing in all directions, and wires running all over it. So, with that being said, let's meet the guys who built this. Hi. Hi. Jessica. Keenan. Keenan. Jessica, nice Sapere. to meet you. Sapere. So this is Zeus. Yes. All right, so how far along in building Zeus are you guys currently? Right, so the Autodive Challenge is this three-year competition. Mm -hmm. uh, we're currently in the second year of the competition. Mm -hmm. And so this year, we're only six weeks away from the second installment of the competition, which is down at the University of Michigan, where we're gonna see traffic lights, as well as dynamic pedestrians, and uh, a lot of different signs that we have to deal with. All right, so um, I'm legit very nervous, believe it or not, about entering this car, because A, I'm concerned for my safety. B, you have a lot of very expensive equipment, and I don't have that kind of money to cover those checks. <laughs> uh, so how often do people actually get behind the wheel and, and drive this thing? On a fairly semi-regular basis, we'll let people sit in the back of the car and they'll get a ride. Oh, okay. But uh, letting people actually sit behind the, the driver's wheel and actually get that experience, that yeah. we basically never do that. Ne never, okay, yeah. <laughs> awesome, well great, can we get started? Absolutely. Fantastic. Let's go. All right, All so right, we're doing so it. Is this it? Go. Autonomous? Yeah. Self-driving? One, two, three, go. Oh, I hear things. Oh, oh <laughs> Okay, now before we hear the rest of that experimental drive, we need to dissect the hype around self-driving cars. The greatest disruption in transportation since the Model T Ford assembly line. Fleets of fully autonomous cars filling city streets. Driverless taxis replacing all ride-sharing services. Cars produced without steering wheels, gas, or brake pedals. All of this, any day now. And to give us a reality check, I'm talking with Dave Graham. He lives and breathes emerging tech for Dell Technologies. So Dave, would you say that AI currently or potentially in the near future is safer than human drivers? I think the potential is there. Uh, absolutely. I, I think, you know, right now we have a low statistical probability that's going to help, right? We just don't have enough data. And I say that and we have petabytes of data on, on interactions with this stuff, but we don't have enough out there. So as those sample sizes increase, as people start to use this more, as we kind of demonstrate this, I think you'll see, yeah, this is the potential for this is incredible. The, you know, and that's me being an optimist in the face of a lot of pessimism around some of these things, around this machine making decisions for humans. Uh, so I'm actually going to be testing out an experimental self-driving car later on in the show. But before that, you've actually got some examples of other technologies and advances around autonomous cars. Yes, yeah, so one of the biggest issues for self-driving cars when it comes to safety is obviously the pedestrians, right? We don't want to hit them. We don't want to hurt them. We don't want to do anything that would endanger their lives. Um, same thing with passengers, right? It's always that delicate balance. So thing of it is, uh, there's a lot of data out there from labs, but not a lot from real world situations where people carrying groceries or walking around with their heads buried in their cell phones, for example. Um, so I, I got to hear from Ron Vosdaven, a professor of mechanical engineering at the University of Michigan, who took his research to the streets by filming real pedestrians in a real car. A lot of the work in pedestrian prediction has in, in the past has involved sort of uh, looking at an individual and sort of just 
taking information about context. So that is, you know, if they're on the sidewalk or um, if they're uh, in the middle of a road and making predictions about what they're capable of doing, given that contextual information. Uh, the work we've done uh, recently is basically looking not only at sort of the body pose of the individual, but looking at the biomechanics of the individual in order to make reasonable predictions of what they're capable of doing next. So what that means is, for instance, you know, if I'm looking at a person and they're pointed in a certain direction and for, you know, if they're walking forward. So, for example, if their torso is pointed, you know, into the sidewalk and their hands are swinging. Right. That's telling us something about where they're capable of going next. Now, you predict where they'll be several seconds from now. And then what you want to be able to do is you get new information as the car moves forward or they move forward, and now you want to update that prediction, right? And so it's a balance of basically making long predictions, but at the same time being uh, nimble enough to update that prediction quickly uh, given new information. The difference between where our predictions say the person is going to be and where the person actually ended up was on the order of centimeters. And so essentially, I mean, tell me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like what he's saying is that it's just consistently making assumptions based off of what it quote unquote sees happening in front of it, which is exactly what we do when we're driving. We're looking behind us. We're checking to the side. You know, we see somebody uh, start looking to cross the street and we kind of just start to slow down, assuming that what if that person decides to make a run for it, even though the crosswalk is only five steps away, uh, this person might do that. And so we adjust for it. I mean, welcome to L.A. That happens all the time. No, like, like a lot of that, you have to make a decision in the moment. Is this object big enough to cause damage? Like understanding mm. kind of the the impact that that image would have. A moose is a lot bigger than a squirrel, right? A lot of this has to do with um, understanding the consequence of actions, right? So when I write these maths, I write these software bits and pieces that determine this, I have to look at consequence. I have to understand what happens if. So Dave, in order to kind of prep for this conversation about self-driving cars, who else did you talk to to get information on where it's going and where we're at right now? Well, as we talked about, there's a lot of data that has to be going back and forth between the vehicles and kind of base stations, if you will, or processing stations, right? We want to we want to learn more about the data that we're collecting as we go along. So obviously there's things like 5G networks, right? Or LTE networks that kind of come into play there. So with all that data going back and forth, um, you know, we you know, there's the concept of having these smart cities, right? So as a car goes through a city, it's able to beacon off of these antennas and do all this type uh, type of thing and you know, obviously run themselves. So there's one company called Integrated Roadways that wants to actually turn the road itself into the network versus having to go off these towers. And they have a product called Smart Pavement. This is company founder Tim Sylvester. Smart Pavement is a prefabricated paving system with embedded sensing and communication technologies, it acts as the road's driving surface, it collects data about traffic, and it provides wireless network services uh, for connected and autonomous vehicles, as well as smart cities. Most people think about autonomous vehicles uh, as being an onboard technology that's independent of any sort of network changes. But I would like to remind everyone that every type of communication and data-driven technology that we have ever built required a network, from radio to television to telephones to cable. Um, so I think it's kind of, I, I'm struggling between whether I wanna say silly or optimistic uh, to believe that we're going to be able to do all of this in vehicle. But let me ask you, uh, you know, 
if you lose your call when you're talking on the phone regularly, that's inconvenient. But if you are asleep in an autonomous vehicle and it loses its network connection, do you really want to take that risk? What we do is by turning the road into a touchpad where we can see at a thousand frames per second exactly where every vehicle is, we take out all of the guesswork for the vehicle and we can tell the car, here's where you are, here's where everybody else is, and in the next millisecond, this is your safety zone that you can travel into with no concern about collision. All right, so he makes a good point that maybe autonomous cars are being asked to do too much on their own. Uh, what do you think about that? I think, again, it's kind of a sliding scale, right? Where we're at right now, they're being asked to do a lot, right? I think long-term, again, kind of following that curve of, of miniaturization and compute um, you know, increasing and some of the ancillary products that get installed in these vehicles like sensors and whatever, I think there's a lot of opportunity for the cars to make better use of the resources that it has, right? So I think there's certainly room to grow within there. So again, I, I take a both-and approach to what he's saying. You know, it's, there's augmentation. So I think there's a there's a reason to believe that, you know, what these smart pavements would augment the capability of the car, not replace uh, and not overtake. But in the same sense, I think it's the, the car is going to be doing enough and it won't be oversaturated. I think that's Again, one of those perfor you know, peripheries that we test to make sure that they don't exceed. Got it. Well, Dave, uh, thank you for the rundown. I am actually headed off to the University of Toronto to test an experimental self-driving car. But before that, I'm going to hear from one of the researchers who actually helped to make it happen. Wish me luck, because I don't know how this is going to turn out. <laughs> <laughs> Enjoy the ride. Thanks. <laughs> My name is Raghavan Thererathan, and I'm a co-founder and the Chief of Machine Learning at DESA. DESA works with a bunch of different companies, helping them develop AI solutions. Last year, they were approached by a group of students at the University of Toronto's self-driving car team looking for guidance. They had just entered the AutoDrive Challenge, a three-year international competition for students to build a self-driving car. We ended up meeting with the leadership team every two weeks or so, checking in on the project progress, suggesting ways to improve the system to make sure that they hit their goal for the competition. One thing that DESA helped the University of Toronto team with was the difference between testing an autonomous car in the lab versus the real world. To give an example, if I have a self-driving car and I see something in front of me and I think it might be a human or I think it might be a piece of road. If I mistake a road for a human and I stop, it's not a big deal. I just It's just kind of annoying. But if I mistake a human for a piece of road and I drive through that, or try to drive through that human, I will injure or kill that human. And so the cost of an error is very, very important when you're trying to build something in the real world. One advantage the University of Toronto team has over other competitors is location. Even though the car is tested in Arizona, they're building it under the relatively harsh conditions of Canada. The thing about Arizona is that it's probably the easiest place to build and test self-driving cars. They have very simple weather compared to Canada, for example, which has lots of more, lots more complicated weather. They have very big roads. They have few pedestrians. Canada is the hardest place to make this work. So if they can make it work here, they will make it work anywhere. <laughs> to win the auto drive competition, the goal is to create a fully autonomous car. But is that even possible? 
I think it's likely possible because there's so many crazy scenarios that we can handle as humans because we have the ability to reason from all this information we have about the world. So for example, let's imagine I see a pickup truck and there's some stop signs in the back of the pickup truck. As a human, I know, okay, stop signs are movable, right? And also some, you know, construction crews might be installing stop signs somewhere. And if a stop sign isn't fixed in a road, it's probably not a stop sign I need to stop for. But a automated car can't reason that same way. And so that unusual situation, it might actually just stop. I, I think we can make cars smart enough that they can handle the vast, vast majority of situations, like 99.9999, et cetera, situations. And that would be far better than what we have now with humans driving. And ethically, it would be a better choice to allow that to happen than wait for self-driving cars to be absolutely perfect, which might not happen. <laughs> so self-driving cars may never be perfect, but what about the car the University of Toronto students are experimenting with, the one I'm about to get into? Well, the team did win the first round of the Auto Drive Challenge, but that was mostly conceptual with some simple driving tasks. The next round, and what I'll be testing, means actually driving down simulated city streets, even trying to avoid pedestrians. Does Raghavan think they, and I, are going to be okay? I think what they've done is is really remarkable for, for a bunch of students. And it kind of speaks to the, the culture of AI. They come from the birthplace of deep learning, uh, the U University of Toronto. I'm very confident that they will probably win again. Prob probably. Okay, Raghavan, I will take your word for it, but I am still pretty legitimately nervous. The words experimental and self-driving are kind of freaking me out right now. <laughs> You guys ever get pulled over by the cops? No, thankfully not yet. Oh, maybe this will be the time. <laughs> oh. Maybe this is when we'll get lucky. You got a lot of stuff going on in this car. <laughs> yeah, we do. There are lots of things. Um, uh, I guess I'll just start with the thing closest to me. What's, uh, what am I looking at on this monitor? Right, so uh, this uh, visualization that we have here is mm -hmm. uh, on the bottom left, we've got some uh, boxes put around pedestrians that we can detect, so you can see that guy okay. that's far away. Oh yeah. On okay. the top left-hand side, we've got a uh, top-down visualization of that guy that's also walking towards us. And on the right is actually this 3D cloud of points that's being produced by a rotating laser sensor that we've got on the top of the car. Got it. And so then the yeah. car takes all this information and processes it, and then it just that's how it drives? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. okay. Well, yeah. that seems simple enough. Yeah. And then what are the two? You've got a big, gigantic warning red button. Yes. Uh, in the front, and another big gigantic red button here on the uh, on the middle console. So what are those for? So these ones basically mm -hmm. are if we encounter a problem that we've never seen before mm -hmm. and we're unable to conduct a safe takeover of an mm -hmm. autonomous drive, this one will kill power to all of our computing systems uh -huh. um, and cause the car to just roll to a stop. And that one will disable all of the autonomy components of the car. Have you ever gotten in an accident with it where you've had no, to use these? No, no, no. And hopefully we never do. Yeah. That's, but, uh, that's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, it's very loud in here. Mm. Where is that sound coming from? 
Right. So we've got some uh, actually liquid cooling for our computer in the back of the trunk. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's important because when we're running all these algorithms on our processors, mm -hmm. they'll actually overheat unless really? we have liquid cooling running through on top of them to keep them. So that sound in the back is the fans that's actually uh, circulating air over this coolant to allow us to keep our computers at a, a nice, uh, comfortable temperature. All right. Ready to go? Yep. Right, let's rock and roll. Is yeah. that a dead uh, raccoon? <laughs> yeah. Is that real? Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys hit that thing? No. <laughs> Are you sure? Yes. <laughs> um. So what's going to happen here is the car is going to go detect a right turn only sign and turn right because of it. Okay. So this is kind of a, a make it or break it test right. that they'll have. Okay. Yeah. Looks all clear. We're about to launch. Maybe I can ask Jessica to flip the car into autonomous mode when we're ready to go. All I'm seeing is warning, 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 warning. <laughs> oh, jeez. It's okay. As long as it's not an error. Yeah. yeah. Actually, yeah, that's a good point. Okay. All right. All so right, we're doing so it. Is this let's it? Go. Autonomous? Yeah. Yep. Self-driving? Okay. I don't want to end right. up like that, that raccoon that we saw. <laughs> All right. Are we ready to go? Yeah. Uh, ready to go. I'm ready. One, two, three, go. Uh oh, I hear things. Oh, oh, <laughs> sh it's. Oh, you guys, just, it takes off fast and then it slows down real fast. Yeah. All right. So, uh, the reason why it accelerates so quickly at the beginning mm -hmm. is that we're basically telling it you need to immediately get to uh, what we're going, which is about eight miles per hour. Mm -hmm. And so it will it will do what you tell it to do. Mm -hmm. But when we're driving in a map, we're like doing some more complex autonomous driving tasks. We'll tell it to like nicely ramp up to that speed. So yeah, your hands are off the wheel. Hands are, are you off. foot on the gas or not on the, no? Foot is not on so the gas. So we're completely driving, it's driving by itself. I love that it turns on your signal. <laughs> Also, oh, I see. So this is where we would turn right. Wait. Oh. Yeah. So that one didn't work. That one didn't work. Okay. We'll try it again. It is uh, interesting how quickly I went from like, yeah, I could see myself just chilling, looking at my phone right. while the car's driving, no, to oh my that. gosh, yeah. <laughs> we're in trouble. It is. It's. This is a robot. Yeah. Like, we made it into a robot, and it's a big, heavy, scary robot. So is it my turn? It is. Yeah. All right, uh, which program are we going to do? So we're going to do the uh, pedestrian uh, detection this time. Good, that's the one I wanted. All right. Awesome. All right, I'll switch out here. Do the big switcheroo. Okay, okay, okay. I'm just cutting in here for a second to explain that there isn't actually a real live human pedestrian. It's this life-size mannequin that they call Fred Buster. He's on a wheeled cart with a really long rope and someone pulls him in front of the car as if he's jaywalking. So to be clear, we're not at risk of killing somebody, but if we were to hit him, it would do serious damage. Buckle up. Because <laughs> we don't know how this is going to work. Tighten your restraints. And you've watched me take manual control. That was only once, though. So I grab the wheel, jerk it, opposite mm. direction, mm. slam on the... Gently but strongly <laughs> press on the brake. Yeah. And right. then switch to manual. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're going to want to hover your foot over the brake oh, pedal that's instead. The, instead of the gas. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's just habit. <laughs> what we can start with is flipping the car into autonomous mode. Okay. So, Jessica, are you ready? I am ready. 
Right, we look all oh clear. Gosh, I'm a little nervous. <laughs> I think I'm more scared of disappointing you guys <laughs> and ruining the car than I am of actually okay, like, getting check. us hurt. The right. vehicle will enter autonomous mode. On three. One, two, three. I'm so excited. And we're rolling. That is weird. Okay, now I'm calm again. Yeah, so same as before. Yeah. Uh, we're just driving uh, kind of within the cones here. And then uh, we're going to see the pedestrian as we come up to it. Okay, making our turn. I see them in the distance. All right, so we should start slowing down. Slowing down. Now the pedestrian's going to start going across. Taking their sweet time when I've got somewhere I need to be. As soon as they've crossed the road. And we're going. Yeah, all right. Across the street. That's awesome. All right, now you can take back control. Okay. And so, just jerk the steering wheel. Jerk the steering wheel. All right. And we can switch back to manual mode. Switch to manual. Perfect. Now and we we're good. Put the car in park. Put the car in park. Perfect. Yep. Now we have. That was it. Right. Yay! I did it. That was super cool. All right. I think I'm just gonna walk back. <laughs> Nobody wants to drive back with me. Oh. I'll drive. Seriously? We can drive back. Keen, do you want to walk? I can also take I'll drive. Okay. All right, I'm Riddle. not walking. Are you kidding? It's cold outside. <laughs> I survived. I made it. Now, the scariest part was probably the acceleration, but what surprised me was how much fun it was. And so, is the hype justified? Will we see autonomous cars take over our streets any day now? As it currently stands, based on the people that I talked to and my experience behind the wheel, not quite yet. They're just not quite there. However, will we see more autonomous features built into our regular cars? Yeah, bet. And hopefully that will lead to the dream behind all of this, which is safer driving for everybody. That's AI hype versus reality from Dell Technologies. And hey, want to see what it looked like while I was in that autonomous car? Just check out DellTechnologies.com slash HypeVReality. And next time on the podcast, are artificially intelligent robots going to take all of our jobs? See you then. <laughs>